Welcome to the Launch CV Podcast, a series of conversations at the intersection of entrepreneurship and tech in the Cedar Valley. I'm your host, Danny Lodick, a tech enthusiast and entrepreneur. As a way to know what's happening in the Cedar Valley, every week I get to sit down with some exceptionally talented people, from engineers and researchers to entrepreneurs, investors, and disruptors across the Cedar Valley. Let's get started. All right, thanks for joining everyone, uh, and Rob and Ben. It's good to see you guys. It's been about a year of not seeing anyone. So it's actually nice to see you guys in person in our wonderful booth here. Thanks, Pixel Labs. Um, So we'll just jump into it. So some quick introductions. So Rob, you are the Chief Technology Officer and Director of Communications at Cedar Falls Utilities, Mm -hmm. avid bicyclist, mountain bicyclist, all those things. Oh, yeah. And frankly, one of the most unassuming and humble guys I know. Oh. So is there anything I missed? Uh, I'm just really great. Oh. Always smiling. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't have that in my notes. <laughs> I, uh, I didn't do my research beforehand on this, apparently. And uh, so, Ben, uh, so you're the VP of Infrastructure and Security at uh, Vinley, uh, Data Intelligence Platform in the Transportation and Automotive Industry. Yes. Uh, plus, you're the owner and pilot for Rotor Visual. And let's see if I can get the, the description of the company right. So, a UAS, so Unmanned Aerial Systems. Systems. Yeah company that does drone aerial photography, uh, film and imaging services, as well as UAV design, build yep. and, and repair, um, and a, a coffee connoisseur. Because yeah. I offered to buy you coffee, <laughs> and you turned it down saying, my coffee's not good enough. Self-proclaimed coffee snob. It's true. You did it's, proclaim it. It's, well, I mean, it's more of an affliction, right? <laughs> it's kind of a... It's a problem. It's a problem now. It, it's terrible. <laughs> so, so, so the coffee that is good enough is sidecar. Some of it, yeah. Some oh, okay, some of it. So even them, <laughs> it's not wholesale. Yeah. <laughs> okay, no, it's, it's no, great. No the, blank check here. No blank checks. <laughs> it's good to know you have standards. Yeah. Um, you know, us, us plebeians, we will typically just get a coffee and like, oh, this is good. It's good coffee. Yeah. It's coffee. Which means it's good coffee. Coffee flavored coffee. Yeah. Um, so really quick, first question for you, Ben. Yeah. You obviously everything from security information to your ne- own UAV. Yeah. Company. Networking UAVs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So where does all that come from? Oh man, probably my ADHD. <laughs> no, undiagnosed. <laughs> I don't mean any uh, misappropriation there. <laughs> no, I just I like so many things uh, technology wise that I just can't not do so i have to dabble and then you start dabbling so much that you, know, you might as well make money doing it <laughs> that's true uav right? is an expensive area to dabble in if you don't yeah decide to make money with it. <clears throat> drone stuff came from an rc background uh i built gas powered radio controlled planes as a kid and you know rubber band powered balsa and tissue paper obsessed with flight since i could you know, understand what I was seeing, I guess. So, yeah. um, and then the electronics part of it, I've been obsessed with electronics, like actually designing circuit boards. Uh, my dad got me a soldering iron at six years old. It was probably not a good thing because <laughs> I had blisters on my fingers. Cause I'm guessing at the time there wasn't just like kid friendly. Yeah. Spent soldering. all my paper route money at Radio Shack when Radio Shack was an actual electronics store and not a phone store. Mm hmm. Yeah. The glory days of... The glory days. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I was at the right crossroads of timing 
in terms of when the internet blew up and you know computer nerd became a part of that too you know also my dad's fault for buying a commodore 64 in 1983 <laughs> um so <laughs> it's all one big you know yeah. explosion of nerd yep that's about it. Because when I asked Rob, I'm like, yeah. "Who else would you want to have this conversation with on, you know, all the network <laughs> stuff?" And he's like, "Oh, we should we should talk to Ben. Let's go talk to Ben." Yeah, Ben's a geek. Let's talk to Ben. It's <laughs> <laughs> so really the goal of this podcast is we're all the nerds, and let's just hang out and have coffee. Yeah, we like coffee. We do. Twenty four seven. Some of us more than others. Um, so Rob, we'll kind of switch over to the CFU side. Um, so you're. I don't think a lot of people really understand, besides the geekiness, you know, of all the terminology around networks and infrastructure, and you threw out some words that I don't know, that I know you two know, so that's the whole point. Um, but I don't think a lot of people realize how advanced of a network CFU has and all the work that's been done in the region. So as someone who grew up a nerd, playing a lot of World of Warcraft, um, I know I, I thanked you this for one time, I think, but I remember one time we were fighting a boss, you know, middle of a raid night, and uh, we're sitting there, all of a sudden the internet goes out. And uh, for most people, I'd probably be like, well, might as well just go do something else for the night. And I think you guys, like, had a service tech out, and it was fixed in 15 minutes. And I was mm. like, oh, I'll just get back online, like, before they even finish that fight. And, um, but I don't think, so just recently, uh, the state legislator passed a new legislation to uh, emphasize rural broadband access the new $450 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and really looking at Iowa as a state has kind of been one of the further behind states in terms of broadband. But we've been, as a community, probably since the early 2000s, one of the leading communities in terms of broadband access. Yeah, CFU's been pretty advanced. Uh, even, even in the mid-90s, uh, late 90s, when we built our network, it was one of the first... Uh, it was pre-Doxis at the time. It was uh, HFC. Uh, Zenith, but, baby. Yeah, it was uh, Zenith. That's right. Um, so e- even then, it got national attention and, and was pretty advanced network for the for the day. Uh, a, a, an always-on broadband connection at uh, geez, at the time I think it was you know hundreds of uh, kilobits, um, but it was always on. It was always available. Um, that was kind of revolutionary at the time. Meaning that you didn't have to do dial-up, no dial-up. fax machine sounds. <laughs> yep. I don't even remember that. Yep. The- so, yeah, in, in uh, 2009, we decided to rebuild our, our network uh, from the ground up, literally, from, you know, fiber in the ground. Uh, it was a brand new network. And uh, the goal was to not just build a good enough network, but a network that was going to last for years and years and years. Yeah. So that's what we did. Fiber, 100% fiber. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's an advanced, it's, you know, literally, you know, one of the best networks in the nation. Um, I think it was what, 2013 and, and was... that's not self-proclaimed. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's right. That's, that's, uh, that's third party verified. Third, third party verified. Yeah. And, uh, last year we got a, an award from PC mag fastest ISP in the nation. And it was significantly higher. Yeah, it was, that was bar none. That wasn't just small ISPs. It was all ISPs across the nation. Yeah, Cause you look at it and it, it's a hockey growth, yeah. hockey stick chart of, you know, small incremental changes yeah. from like fifth place, fourth right. place, third place, and then first place. It's like, we're going to go up here, 
and just hang out. Go big or go home. <laughs> and didn't they say in the article, it's like, how do you get this service? It's like, move to Cedar Falls, <laughs> Iowa. It's the only way. <laughs> it is literally, you need to live here. Yep, yeah, exactly. And because uh, it was 2013 was, I think, first gigabit. That's right. Yep. City in the state, um, but largely in the nation. One of the first in the nation, yeah. And then last year was the first 10 gig. Yep. Yep. Last year, we uh, did our full 10 gig launch across our whole network. Uh, narrowly uh, met my, my uh, the, go the goal on my uh, performance evaluation for the, for last year. <laughs> I, I think by days met, met the goal and uh, uh, yeah. The, is the performance goal like just keeping better than everyone else? Uh, it, it's a uh, you know the culture is innovation, uh, customer service, um, and so whatever that looks like. Um, it's not necessarily just being half a step ahead, but uh, for example, in, in 2009, when we decided to go all fiber, we could have incrementally upgraded our network, um, but we knew, uh, so 2006 is when YouTube launched, and uh, it was pretty, you know, a, a, along that timeline was also when businesses became just really, really critically dependent on the internet. And the feedback we were getting from our business customers is, oh my gosh, this has to just always work. It, we need to treat this like a utility service like we treat our other services. Yeah. And so we always had, but we made an investment in the network that really took it to the next level. Funny side story. I was at NANOG, North American Network Operators Group in San Jose, California in July of 2006. And this, the YouTube network engineers were there freaking out because they're like, we're doing a consistent... 20 gig plus of traffic cute right nice <laughs> this is 2006 and this is before google bought them uh, google bought them in 2007 they were functionally absolvent they could not pay for the bandwidth they were using yeah <laughs> yeah back then that that was a ton of bandwidth this back is effectively then. they were like what have we done they didn't know <laughs> Yeah. Turn it off. What they had created was <laughs> had become a monster, basically, for them. Yeah, it's so funny. But I was going to say, them pushing the boundary of innovation, I mean, look at Cedar Falls. It's constantly growing. And I think a lot of communities around the state and elsewhere are realizing how much good connectivity. Yeah. And then a pandemic hits. Well, and I don't right? think, yeah, you realize until, because not just the speed. But the actual uptime and then the customer service available to know like hey yeah. even if this goes down yeah it's probably going to be back up in the longest and the, 30 minutes yeah. i think and the consistency right yeah. yeah 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 the reliability is huge uh fiber is is so much more reliable than other technologies uh and then the low latency is is is, yeah. is really really important as well there's but, nothing like a cable like an actual physical wire or in this case fiber a piece of glass you know wireless is great but it's fallible I yeah mean, it's so prone to interference and you know everybody thinks they can just put 5g up and it'll be all you know grand and yeah amazing but well and beyond just the fastest when you guys got that award last year you also got the best gaming isp mm. ranking yeah which i think to a lot of people you might just think that means fastest but really it comes down to you know again to flex my nerdy background that I don't get to flex very much nowadays. Um, like latency issues and uptime was way more important than like, we, I didn't actually need a lot of download speed. I just need to make sure it worked. 
Yeah, mm -hmm. I'd rather have a 50 meg or 100 meg uh, yeah. connection that is Solid. low latency and low jitter. And that's what the uh, you know best gaming ISP in the nation award measured was uh, latency and jitter, which are better descriptors of a high functioning network. And there is a lot of reason for some people to maintain like an actual T1 or DS1 line, which is a you know, an old TDM style yeah. networking on top of the DOCSIS cable because the DOCSIS cable, they were probably in a very densely populated and oversubscribed area mm -hmm. and they could not maintain reliable voice connection. So yeah. they would keep, if they were doing like an office or a home office or something like that. Well, T1 keep, of those are incredibly expensive. Yeah. And it's only one and a half megabits, <laughs> megabits per yep. second, right? <laughs> so we're talking orders of magnitude less than yeah. what we have now but it was so rock solid and the latency was almost you know to the to your first hop out could be depended on you knew that it was always going to be like nine milliseconds or whatever it would, is going to be it yeah. wasn't going to be all over the map yeah the yeah. The, the gaming isp award is uh i mean it's great for gaming that don't don't get me wrong it, it, it's, it's definitely <laughs> awesome for gaming uh that means when you turn the corner in in uh in in cod and pull the trigger. You're pulling it that much faster than yep. than your competitor. Although I think they try to account for that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure in, they try in, that in, in the game. But uh, it also means that your your video calls, your voice calls, uh, just everything you do, uh, which is so latent uh, dependent, yep. just is so much better. Yeah. Well, I don't think a lot of people also realize on the tech side, like we have game de development in the area. Um, you know, if Nick Cash was here, talk with him just about how how much of a difference there is between the infrastructure that they have when they opened up the local office, um, you know, with SciPlay and then with Jam City that they opened up from, and the amount of their team in California has to continually complain about the fact that they're trying to get, I think it was maybe 100 megas per second that they yeah. have, and they're paying probably five times as much. But it's probably Comcast. Yep. And, and it's Doxus. Yep. It's cable. Yeah. It's coax. And so the, the team here is constantly waiting on the California team to just upload something to them. Because they're like, no, no, we've got yeah. it on our, and we're just waiting for you guys to yeah. get it up there. Yeah, the latency on a, on a, a system like that is just inherently yeah. significantly higher, and the reliability is significantly lower. And then, yeah, and then bandwidth is asymmetrical. On a, on a coax, they only have so many channels, and I'm forgetting this stuff because I haven't had to deal with it for so long, but <laughs> you, wanna, you want to prioritize download because you know you're consuming content so the heavy stuff is coming into you or downloading or ingress yeah and the requests are tiny but if you have to upload something photos video you know you might have a hundred megabits down but you have 10 up yeah or even like i've got a friend who's got gigabit on gigabit in quotation marks on comcast in san santa clara california so Northern California, Bay Area, Silicon Valley. He's got gig down and 15 up. <laughs> That's crazy. It's like Doxus 3.1 or something. He had to get a new modem. It's Comcast. Yep. But then he's got upload caps, like actual data transfer caps. And, you know, he he does so much stuff. I probably can't talk about it. But, <laughs> you know, torrents and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, he hits a terabyte in 20 days yep and streaming like him and his wife you know they've yeah, both you'd... been working from home for a year right and it's just yeah because yeah. what have you guys seen overall for the area 
in terms of an uptick in bandwidth usage over COVID or even just kind of the growth it's March trends of 2020. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, I, I, I spend a fair amount of time looking at uh, bandwidth graphs and, and growth uh, patterns. Um, people might not know, uh, Sunday night at 9 to 10 p.m. is our peak. Uh, re- reliably, that's our peak. People are watching last video of, of the weekend and then and then wrapping it up. So everyone listening right now is but like, in for the night. oh, yeah, I was on my phone Yeah, looking yeah. at stuff. In for the night getting ready for the work week or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what we've seen, uh, 2020 bandwidth growth uh, actually wasn't that unusual. Um, we've seen the last five years, uh, year-over-year growth uh, per subscriber has been 41%. The five years previous, it was 71%. <laughs> and those five years previous capture are... Uh, migration off of a coax system onto a fiber system where we know we had node congestion. We had Mm. a a lot of people on one node that only had so much capacity. Um, It also coincided with going from 8 megabit uh, primary service to now 250 megabit synchronous. So those five years, I think we let uh, let out a lot of pent-up demand. And then the previous, and then the most recent five years has just been what I'd call what, what normal growth would look like if you're on a fiber network. Yep. I think part of it also is that we've got a pretty advanced um, user base here. Uh, there's there's a lot more people who already work from home uh, who are pretty advanced uh, internet users, and so um, their experience. Uh, is isn't as uh, prolific in 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 uh, bandwidth growth. Yeah, and because you guys are also the back end support, not just for the Cedar Falls area, but you guys provide back end support for what, seven other communities. Yeah, so we wholesale internet service to other uh, municipal uh, communications utilities. Uh, they can choose to go with uh, you know get their own links out to the outside world. Uh, but a lot of them choose us because we have such great connectivity, uh, great customer service, and our our, uh, uh, our pricing is pretty competitive uh, because we've got uh, such great links to the outside world, yeah. uh, Chicago, uh, Minneapolis, and Des Moines. Um, but beyond that, that's on the data side. On the video side, we formed a partnership uh, with uh, several other uh, munis to share head-end services. Um, and so that's a legal agreement that we have that uh, instead of each one of these building a multi-million dollar head end for television uh, for television yeah for, <laughs> yeah <laughs> keep in mind this is TV, TV. <laughs> who watches TV right uh, but but plenty pe- plenty people still do <laughs> yeah. yeah and so we we've got this uh, service that's valued by the community and we're you know formed to serve the community so we're, we're going to keep providing that service yeah. uh, as long as we need to so you're basically allowing municipalities to be able to compete within creating that infrastructure without having as much of a front end investment as right the otherwise would yep yeah uh, otherwise, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of these uh, w- wouldn't have gotten into the video service, and us also, frankly, we'd you know we'd be looking at getting out of the video service sooner than than we would otherwise. And, and yeah. you, CFU, has had a cable TV head end since the '90s. Yep. Now it's evolved, yep. right, into digital, and you know we, you went through digital cable 
yep. boxes and all of that, and now it's transitioning into IP TV, not iPublic television, but <laughs> yeah. Internet Protocol yep. television. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, so you're delivering the actual video over an, an actual Ethernet effectively ethernet network yes you know, yeah. ip network yeah and we're in the next evolution right now where we're uh, building basically a, a new video system that is okay. uh, uh you unicast video yeah. uh which is the exact same technology that uh, netflix or amazon prime yeah. uses yeah. Um, so we'll we'll be releasing that here we're in testing right now we'll be releasing that uh hopefully uh several months ago oh wait i mean uh <laughs> <laughs> according to those performance metrics yeah. Yeah, yesterday every yeah. day it's yesterday <laughs> yeah that that one that one that one we didn't meet um but you know it's you, a stretch goal yeah yeah you hit you hit so many home runs and you, you get uh <laughs> you're allowed to have a, you're allowed to have a a, a strikeout every now and then not, right. not that this is a strikeout at all but yeah it's just delayed <laughs> we just want to do it right we just want to have a system that's going to be high functioning and and yeah. um ready for prime time once we do release it. Yeah. So. And so for local consumers, that would mean basically kind of a set-top box that allows you to choose all the apps and stream through all the services. That Yeah, the set-top box that you think of historically that you might rent from CFU uh, goes away yeah. or, or can go away, um, depending on your use case. Uh, but in theory, yeah, you just load an app on your uh, Fire TV, uh, the CFU video app, and uh, there you go. You just uh, choose a different app to watch your CFU video service. And some smart TVs might actually have that built in. You wouldn't even need a Fire Stick. Yeah, if yeah. it's an Android TV, we can yeah. dump that right on there. Yep. Yep. Right. Because they go through yeah. just the same approval process for apps on mm -hmm. the Android TVs as they do for yeah. the other marketplaces. It's probably a rebranding of a of yes. an app, right? Yes. So like, you don't have to develop the app. You just you know put a coat of paint on it, yep. CFU paint, and yep. it, you're there. Yep. Exactly. Right? A theme. Yeah. And because I, I think, too, you talked about how, you know, and you were mentioning this, the switching from coax and those things to fiber. Fiber gives you way more capacity for future bandwidth usage. Because right. you can put way more channels on there. I mean, we're using fiber that was put in the ground 30 or 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. All that's happened is the equipment gets upgraded. So, like, the equipment gets better and better. They're able to effectively pack more bits onto the same strand of glass. Yep. Yeah, that's why in 2009 it was a little bit of a leap of faith that, oh, this fiber thing, it has <laughs> limited, unlimited capacity. Uh, it's going to be here forever. Um, unlimited with quotation marks. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> There's always a limit. And, and we didn't know what that would look like. We just knew, you know what, the technologies, uh, the electronics on the ends of the fiber is going to change over time it's hopefully going to keep up with our uh, pace of demand. Yep. And sure enough, here we are. We've got a uh, full 10 gig synchronous uh, anywhere in the city, um, which is arguably more than most people need. Um, <laughs> but we built a network to, um, you know, there, there's concern, oh, we're, we're going to... Uh, like, people are always like, why do you need that? I'm like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, every single month I get my, my bill, my utility bill. Are you just looking at the speeds currently? Yeah. No, I mean that's when I did. Oh, know. that's your. Oh yeah. yeah. Set seven seven thousand meg by nine, nine thousand meg. meg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, because every time I get my CFU bill every month, I'm like, should I just upgrade it? Like, it's, it's not that much cost, and it's, like the use case I know is just every now and then, but to have something I need to download and never just have to worry about sitting around waiting for it. I would call it bragging rights, but it's more of a story <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah 
Exactly. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we built the network to uh, uh, for growth, for the future. Um, we don't know what that next uh, killer app is going to be that someone does need uh, multi-gigabit. Um, but we don't want the network to be in the way. We want innovation to happen. Yep. You know, we, we innovate ahead so that um, others can innovate on top of what we've done. Yeah, because what is, I think a lot of people sometimes... You know, they see you going from one gig to 10 gig and they wonder, okay, first of all, that it's the same thing you said, Ben, like, okay, what's the point? Mm -hmm. um, but then also, what are the next things coming around? Because I think you're seeing a lot more use cases in ubiquitous access to high-speed broadband now that's becoming more of an always-on thing. There's always access to it. So one, what is the next thing? Or, you know, everyone would say, okay, you're at 10 gig, is the next thing 100 gig? Or maybe though the question maybe is it's not speed it's what's the next you you know utilitarian thing you can do with it so what's next and then what's really the big reason that matters two two thoughts on that one is uh, pushing the experience of the customer uh, to a higher level so um, in in the home uh, we talked about uh, wireless and how horrible wireless actually is. Um, we're trying to fix that. We're trying to make that a better experience. Um, that means o over the next few years, if you've got one wireless router, you might have uh, you might add a, a mesh access point. Uh, a few years from now, you might have several in your home. Um, as that uh, Wi-Fi technology advances, we're going to see more and more uh, radios inside the home to provide better service. Yeah. Um, then on the uh, access network side of things, uh, 10 gig today, uh, we use X uh, technology called XGSPON. Um, there's technology that's available now-ish that's uh, NGPON2. That's uh, four additional 10 gig waves on top of the existing single strand of fiber to your home. As in light wavelengths. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so kind of like a radio signal, you can use multiple wavelengths in the same airspace. This allows you to use multiple signals within one f strand of fiber. Effectively multiple colors of light yep. on the same strand of fiber. Yeah. Yep. Think about a prism or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You can't see these colors of light, and nor do you want to look at it because <laughs> it'll burn your eye so out. So everyone at home, do not go to your CFU yeah. access box you, and there, pull out the fiber. There are no actual colors visible to humans on the <laughs> yeah. fiber. Don't try. F funny story, actually. <laughs> uh, our fiber techs were working on a, on a, on a fiber cut. Uh, in town here, and it was uh, we hadn't shut the the electronics off yet, so there was l lasers shooting uh, light down the fiber, and the, the cut fiber was uh, actually melting uh, the jacket of of another fiber. So th there is real power, significant, yeah. si significant, uh, dangerous levels. Invisible lasers, not red or green <laughs> or anything. Like so these that. will not be the exciting laser cat lasers. No shooting everywhere this is just this is not an 80s laser light show <laughs> unfortunately unfortunately no because i think um so one we owe you guys credit um for a shout out for about five years ago when you guys did install fiber infrastructure the mill race sure yeah. co-working space um so because you guys have been i think beyond just being an infrastructure player in the community you've been one of the biggest partners and supporters and investors and you know, one, making sure the infrastructure is there to support new technology companies and people utilizing it, but then also 
like you actually show up to things. And again, one of the values of having a local partner, like being able to have a conversation with you guys about what we're working on. And cause you guys had, you were working on kind of a demonstration test of the 10 gig mm-hmm. a while back. Yeah. Um, so how do you guys view your role in the community, you know, as an infrastructure partner, but also as kind of a technology partner for the community? Yeah, we, uh, we definitely want to see uh, growth in the, in the community. That's good for, it's good for CFU also, you know, the, the more um, businesses that form and stay here, uh, that's, that's good for electric service as well. So, um, you know, we are part of the community. We're, we're formed uh, by, by the community. So that's an integral relationship. I think that's a key aspect of this kind of situation is that it's a municipal provider. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're past the argument of whether or not the internet access is a luxury versus an actual utility. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of commerce hinges on internet access now. So like, you know, and I don't want to get political necessarily, but like the FCC's, you know, classification of internet access, you know, what was it? 2016 or 2015 title two yeah. to make classify internet as a utility. Yeah. Like we're past the point of it being, a nice to have it's a must have yep but then you put this municipal aspect on it letting a community also be a player in you know to the consumer and to the business internet access let's exactly like rob said it's like it's for us by us you know yeah. we the sole focus of the municipal internet service provider is on that municipality, that yep. city itself. They're not worrying about a hundred different communities and filling their shareholder pockets, yeah, right? Not a lot of people, you know, if anyone listening has never like known the background of the CFU. So it was originally, well, not CFU itself, but the infrastructure for the fiber side was originally a community investment kind of asking the community, do we collectively want to invest in building out this infrastructure? Yeah, and it was, uh, at the time, cable TV focused. Internet was uh, just an, ad- an add-on. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, the, the incumbent providers uh, weren't serving, weren't going to serve uh, Cedar Falls, so we took it, up, took it upon ourselves to yeah. provide a service that the community wanted. Yep. So, so that was, at the time, was Cedar Falls just too small of a market for them to justify coming in i think so yeah that was was that late 90s uh it was early early 90s 90s. yep okay you were around then working at cfu right no (laughs) yeah (laughs) no that that's the cool thing is is i look back at this 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 would have been uh, 92 93 uh i think the vote was in 94 95 started building stuff in 95 and then internet was uh launched in 96 um and to have that vision uh, back then to make this, because it was it was a significant risk. Um, it wasn't, you know, these days, yeah, you want to build an internet, an ISP, yeah, and it's a no-brainer. If there's no other fiber network in town, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but back then it was kind of a leap of faith. It was pretty visionary. And, yeah, because so, most people would call that period, like, pre-internet. Yep. So at that point, it almost seems like you're building infrastructure for something most people don't even technologically understand what the point of it is yep and the the net operating net operating income uh what some people would call profit uh, for us it's net net income um that was all derived from uh cable tv service yeah because mm-hmm. essentially then everything you guys make is invested back into 
the community into yep. the infrastructure and okay. yep. yeah yeah so in 2010 we spent call it 21 million dollars uh to rebuild the network uh we paid some of that in cash uh the rest was uh, uh funded uh with debt and uh in 2018 we paid off 100 percent of that debt and the communications utility is debt free for the first time ever so and that's that's because we've Good had, job, bro. We've had <laughs> yeah no it's is not that not, one of the metrics too not just me yeah um <laughs> So uh, it was actually. Um, <laughs> hold the line. Uh, Wynette, our uh, CFO, uh, d- does a really good job, and uh, we would we banter back and forth on on uh, on expenses and and you know keep keeping a tight rein on expenses. Yep. So it's definitely treated like a business. CFOs and, are hired to say no. Yes, it's true. <laughs> Hopefully, no but. No but. Or no and. No, but maybe if you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's because, you know, people like Rob, when they're doing cool things, are just like, no, we can do more. No, the first time. And then the second time you ask, okay, maybe, but we have to. You just have right. to keep asking. <laughs> yeah. It should be annoying. <laughs> so on the nerdy side of tech, you know, the network infrastructure side. Okay. So the word that you would use that I'm not going to be able to, that you two are really excited to talk about. Um, oh, yeah, I mean that's a totally different kind of direction. Um, Actually, we can lead into it with uh, uh, with uh, the video uh, service that we're building, yeah, the yeah. new app based. Uh, yeah. The foundation of that is uh, actually containers, uh, Docker's, and uh, Kubernetes, uh, which I think there is, it is. is where yeah, yeah Kubernetes. There we go. It's called Kube. <laughs> yeah, so super, just amazing technology, um, and it's it's come. I would say down to our level to CFU's level because you know we're relatively small in the grand scheme of things. It's a lot of these bigger, bigger companies that really launched uh, Kubernetes. This, yeah. this was years ago. And for anyone listening, I also have no idea what this is. So feel free to explain it as if you're talking. Actually, that's to a, an that's idiot, a great point. Yeah. Which is me. Yeah, go for it. On this. Yeah. So I mean, most people are familiar with a physical computer, right? Your laptop, your PC, your iMac, whatever. Well. A server isn't is a computer effectively without a monitor and a and a ton of memory and yep. and processing. Uh, about fifteen years ago, virtual machines became a huge thing. So it's a way of running multiple copies of an operating system on the same piece of physical hardware on on bare metal on yeah. the metal itself, right? So that's you know you could run a Windows server and a Linux server and a Unix server all in parallel at the same time sharing the physical CPU and memory of that piece of bare metal. So more yeah. more efficient use of the resources. Right. So, you know, m- most of the time the computer's sitting there twiddling its thumbs, waiting to do the, ne- do the next thing. So the virtualization with vir- VMs, virtual machines, um, effectively made the computer busier more of the time. Yeah. So it's not idling. It's like, you know, leaving your car running in a parking lot, right? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, running it cruise rpm all the time so you can almost say it's like ride sharing yes for a computer yeah so you're running virtual copies of an operating system whether it's you know windows or linux or anything on the same piece of physical hardware yeah now you abstract that even further into containers which is kind of a baby vm it's kind of a runtime environment that's running in a jail 
which now we're getting into computer <laughs> engineering. Don't um, worry, we've got like another 20 minutes, so just you so can the, go ahead and the, explain all the of it. The really cool thing about, about VMs to begin with is yeah. that w once you've got uh, VM infrastructure in place, uh, it lets you do other really cool stuff, like you can spin up a test server instead of yeah. you know ordering a, a Dell server, waiting a week. Just and to then do testing. Just to do testing. Yeah. You can spin up a test environment yeah. in a matter of minutes. Yeah, and if it doesn't work, delete it you tear it you tear it back <laughs> and down. build it again yeah and so yeah. the the business continuity and disaster recovery aspects of this are huge because you can take this basically your your server is a file yeah. and you can move that file anywhere in the world you want to and run it on on another machine yeah the the virtual disk like the heart you know you have an ssd or a hard drive in your laptop you know got this thinkpad here there's a, a solid state drive where the actual data is stored which is different yeah. than ram a virtual machine's disk, it thinks it's a real hard drive, but it's actually really just a file on the physical hard drive yep. that it's running on. So you can shut that virtual machine down and that disk is represented as a file. That SSD or that hard drive is represented as a file. Small enough you can just schlock and it onto a USB yeah. drive and take it to across yeah. town. And, and boot that VM on another physical machine. Yeah, yep. super, it, super cool. You get like portability and you get... Um, repeatability so you could clone that thing so if you got a virtual machine set up the way you want it you could clone that thing over and over or you could take your production server that you're having a problem with production vm clone it bring up another copy as a test to see what the heck is wrong with it yep and if that doesn't work blow it away and make another clone so you can this cloning of bits you know it's, you're just copying ones yeah. and zeros so this probably gets into you guys. Do you guys directly through CFU or anything, are you providing a lot of the cloud services to allow companies to start transitioning to doing more? Or are you just kind of serving as the access point? We're just the access point. But you're using them internally to manage. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. yep. To manage the network, you've got to have some level of server infrastructure. So Yeah, yeah. yeah there's enough uh, uh cloud providers out there that are at scale, at a scale that we probably couldn't achieve, yeah. that uh, getting into that uh, business, we, we talked about it years ago, um, we couldn't uh, make the numbers work, yeah. um, and, and nowadays uh, there's just so many other alternatives. Yeah. But then you're providing such fast network access that they can get to the providers of that that specialize in that. Exactly. That you don't really need to do it here. Yep. Yep. You know, there's there's a Google data center in Council Bluffs, right? So you can buy virtual machines on Google Cloud Platform GCP in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Mm -hmm. You can get Azure compute power out of the data center in Des Moines, the Microsoft data yep. center in Des Moines. You know, all, there's data centers going up all over the place, especially here in the Midwest, because and Iowa's particularly situated well because we're on the crossroads of I-35 and I-80, which yep. is you don't just uh, drape fiber through somebody's <laughs> cornfield. You run it along the road. Yeah. Right? So we've got a lot of transcontinental fiber going through Iowa, north, south, east, west. Yeah. Um, Plus, we have a lot fewer natural disasters mm -hmm. that have the capacity to disrupt. Yeah. Yes. And our power is relatively cheap. Yeah. Which is the big, huge component, which is why Facebook has built a gigantic, sprawling compound on the <laughs> northeast side of Des Moines in Altoona. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, you know, and that's happening. Apple's putting one in in Waukee. Is it Waukee? Yeah. Northwest side of Des Moines. You know, iCloud is coming to Iowa effectively, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and Microsoft has been in South Des Moines for a while. Google's been in Western Iowa for a while. Oh, it's been 13 years. 13 years Google's been in Western Iowa. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, you needing to put the compute, you know, and there's this whole other philosophy of edge computing and blah, 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 right? You can go on and on and on and on. CFU is kind of doing some edge computing in, in the form of CDNs, mm-hmm. content distribution networks. So it's moving the content that we consume on our couch closer to us, which offloads that network uh, capacity uh, from, you know, the major transit yeah. and puts the most popular content effectively on a file server here. Yeah, essentially, yeah. if you're loading a, a Netflix uh, show or movie, yeah. it's it's coming from our office. If you're watching Queen's Gambit, it's probably coming off of the giant network-attached storage device at Cedar Falls Utilities at their office. Yeah. So you're not coming across the internet from Netflix. Netflix pushes that one copy, yeah. and then everybody that wants to watch it in Cedar Falls is just getting it from that close to you source yeah so yeah. all the local consumers get faster access lower latency yeah, yeah. and it takes a lot of strain off the national yeah. networks yeah so you're okay. pushing the most popular stuff to the edge yeah, yeah it's a better customer yeah. experience it uh saves cfu and thus our customers quite a bit of money yeah. uh and it saves netflix money as well yeah. so yeah so back to the virtualization yeah I mean, so, that's all part of it right yeah. so yeah. um so Kubernetes takes a VM to another level. Yeah. Well, first there's containerization. So you can run a container, which is kind of a, again, like a baby VM. It's kind of, it's super throwawayable if you want to use that as a term. It's, you know, expendable. Yeah. Um, and it lets you run like a specific environment temporarily, like just temporarily. Ter- I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I can tell you're thinking through what terms can I use to explain this. <laughs> yeah, right now my, involve... my brain is going faster than my speech <laughs> cortex. It don't yeah. involve a master's level in network engineering. So um, if someone writes software, like the Jam City guys, I don't know if they're doing this, but like there's a piece of code that runs that needs to serve data to a client, like a game or an app on your phone. That may have very specific software runtime environment requirements. Yeah. Containerization lets you do that and then run that container on, they could spin it up on their laptop for development purposes, for testing, or they can run it at scale on a server. It makes the code, it's more of like a baby virtual machine to run specific code. Yeah. So server code. So that's all well and good. Uh, Oh, I can run on my laptop, like one copy of it. The second you have to scale it, and we can go into the details of vertical scaling and horizontal scaling and blah, 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 blah. But the second you have to scale it to serve a 1,000 clients or consumers yeah. or 10,000 or 100,000, doing that by hand becomes untenable, becomes yeah. impossible. Kubernetes is a open source software server application suite that was developed by Google. (laughs) And if you're using Google, you're effectively using Kubernetes, Um, (laughs) most likely. Depends on the service you're using of Google. But it takes those containers and orchestrates it. So it's like a manager for the containers. So if you need to run 
not just one copy of that server code. You need a lot because you're dealing with 10,000 customers where one would just fall over and die. You can't handle the load. It can't handle all the requests. You can say, Kubernetes, I need 72 replicas. And if that doesn't work, feel free to scale up to this many. Yep. And spread it out over a cluster of virtual machines or physical uh, bare metal machines. So it's kind of just like logistics supply management for a virtual network of different servers yeah. to allow yeah. that type of distributed access. It's, like, yeah. oh, these 70 different nodes all want to be playing the same thing, but don't have all the capacity at right. one time to serve everyone. Yeah. It lets you scale the network or scale the application horizontally, dramatically, yeah. but also lets you make changes to those to that software uh, in basically real time. Yeah. So typically, um, if you're upgrading server software in the past, it's like this giant headache, and we have mm -hmm. to take the we have to take it down on Sunday morning, and nobody's going to be able to do anything. Yep. Where, so like in Kubernetes, and one of the key tenets to running containerized code is where the data persistence layer exists. Yeah. In the old way, that like where the data is stored that gets processed was like on the same disk. You need to have a data persistence layer that's decoupled from the processing, the compute layer, so that those running pieces of code can be temporal. They can be expendable. Because essentially, if you make one update over here, you yeah. need to make sure that that's across all different locations that this is now yeah copy that so kubernetes has this concept called deployments and the deployment is where you define what container image and the container image is probably got a a version number a hash id which would have a specific version of the code that was checked into the the code repo so to upgrade the server to the latest code you tell the deployment here's your new image and Kubernetes orchestrates it and does a rolling update. So it starts killing the containers off one by one and new ones come back up and fill it in. So nothing ever went down. Yep. So it's a make before break situation. It's pretty much PFM. Which P is? Pure freaking magic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, PG, like, I just, I'm, I'm gonna ask every single acronym and like, the way you said that was leading. So I, it's I, essentially in, in the front of that is a dumber device, typically known as a load balancer, an application load balancer, a network load balancer that's actually receiving the request from, say, a mobile app, or you know your browser on your computer, um, or you know a, a heavy app on your computer, a non-browser application, um, and that's divvying those requests to all those containers running in the back end, and it's doing health checks. So the load balancer knows, oh, that's not responding. I'm not going to send anything to it. It's checking like every second. Mm -hmm. It's like, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? There's a heartbeat kind yeah. of a thing. So if it goes down, it'll send it to some other, because we're running multiple copies. Um, it's got all this, you know, it's a pool of resources. Yeah. So it's basically, if I can kind of sum it down, is just allowing this type of the edge computing type we talked about. It's allowing distributed content to more nodes without having to deal with the complexity of making sure all these places are um, actually matching up with each other, the same files, you don't have to update them all one-on-one. Yeah. -on -one. It's just pushing everything to the edge so that you can distribute it and get it closer to the end user. Yeah, that's the edge computing concept, but you can use the Kubernetes in a, in a centralized situation as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could. it could be used in anything. So like in Rob's situation for 
the the t the newer TV style. Like, do you want to speak about it? Or? Yeah, we know that uh, that 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 uh, system is going to need to scale as uh, as we bring customers onto that new platform. Right now, yeah, there's uh, very few uh, or very little or no demand for that. Uh, those services for that uh, infrastructure, that that application, um, but that will have to have to scale as as we bring customers on, and and the system we've built uh, is designed to to do that really easily. Yeah. And you can add more physical machines to the node pool, or you know more physical machines running actual VMs that are added to that. Kubernetes node pool that it can say, oh, I've got this now to run more stuff on. And that's that Kubernetes orchestration. It's like, oh, you gave me more resources. I can I can schedule things over here now. Yeah. It's like a dispatcher. And that, so you can yeah. you can use uh, you know, off the shelf hardware. I'm gonna do air quotes for that because it, it it kind of is it mostly is, but it's uh, you know somewhat specific to our application. Yeah. Um, but you can, like you said, you can just add nodes to that hardware. When we say nodes, we mean like you a know, like physical a physical computer server yeah. that goes into a rack. Yeah. 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 So is that then? Are you seeing a trend overall in a lot of the infrastructure stuff happening where it's starting to be a lot more distributed, pushing? scalability and those things to not be something everyone has to build out individually. It's just tapping into a more collective. It is in the software development space. Um, there's a lot of software engineering now is turning to being containerized. Like you, if you're starting a new project, there's no reason not to that's, develop it in a containerized uh, methodology. Yeah, and that, that's, yeah. a, that's exactly where we're headed. Uh, we've got software engineers on staff. Uh, so the technology, the use case we've been talking about is is on our communications utility side for providing video service. Um, on our internal uh, information systems, uh, software engineers. Uh, so we've got that in production, nearly in production. We've got another uh, Kubernetes cluster that is uh, in testing on our software development side. And um, that's exactly where we're headed. Uh, anything new, yeah, we're going to leverage that new technology, um, and uh, we'll, we'll we're, we're we're early on on that. Um, you know, behind a lot of what other people have done, but for <laughs> yeah. us, it's it's just now it's reached the point where it really makes sense to uh, push in that direction. Yeah, because have you guys was it a normal thing for you guys to have software? on staff as a technical capacity or is that a growing area of what you guys do it's it's growing like everybody uh we've had uh, software engineers on staff for uh since i've started so 15 years or longer um primarily for our billing system our billing system is is huge uh it's extremely complicated um billing for four separate utilities is uh a big challenge we love our unified bill but yeah. i know it's a giant pain <laughs> yeah yeah that we get that on our uh customer surveys every year we, we love the single bill um but man it is super complicated super it's a uh, nightmare it, it, it's it's a it's really you know you, you get you get into a billing uh issue and uh you start asking some questions about a particular scenario and all of a sudden you have to have six people in the room because uh it, it's so complicated yep. yeah. um from a consumer and it seems great it does I'm, yeah it, and bill. that's that's our focus is customer service also an instance of pfm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pay no attention to like the six people behind the curtain. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It just works. Yep. 
it is like the the whole in the startup world the man behind the curtain um yeah technique of make something seem automated they just, you just don't see the guy running around in the background manually mm-hmm. connecting the mechanical everything. turk <laughs> <laughs> yep. until eventually you do automate it and the whole time yeah. you're like no it's, we've just always been this good yeah, yeah. so we've added uh software engineers uh we've added more recently and uh that trend will probably continue over over time yeah because yeah. what is um i know i kind of asked earlier like what's the next thing for you guys do you guys from a planning perspective long term are there other areas because i know we talked a little bit about 5g and all the infrastructure being installed for that which starts to kind of overlap with communications and data and like it seems like there's now that everything's becoming data um kind of a convergence of that stuff and i know you I don't know how much you can talk about what you guys are working on with that stuff. Yeah, I, I've, one of my uh, performance uh, plan uh, goals <laughs> is to is to have a, a wireless strategy, and even if, if that strategy is in the end to say, yeah, we're not going to do anything. Uh, right now, we're making a decision by not doing anything, yep. which is 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 not right. Um, <laughs> so uh, th- this year, I've, I'm tasked with uh, actually. We're tasked with uh, developing a wireless wireless strategy, and that could be something like where um, maybe we build a small cell network, uh, 5G or otherwise, that um, that car- uh, other carriers could lease access yeah. from us, or maybe we launch our own wireless service. Um, I, I don't know what that looks like, but there's there's an opportunity there. And um, if it can benefit the community and can be financially self-sustaining, then let's let's do it. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it's real preliminary. I don't know what it's going to look like. Um, but if we did something like that, you know, the interesting thing with 5G is that uh, just like we talked earlier about in the home, I see us having more and more radios in the home to provide good coverage. Locally. Uh, five. Yeah. yeah in, with, the, in the home. Itself. Within the home. Uh, the same concept applies with 5G and small cell technology where to get the great speeds, low latency, uh, millions of devices connected, you have to build a really dense network. Yeah. So that means uh, radios, small cells uh, on light poles, basically every block. Yeah across the whole town you're talking 4g you're talking, is still like massive towers yeah, broadcasting ma- yep, versus 5g is like small true receivers yeah. and, and there's five these are horrible marketing terms it, i mean leave it really to the marketing bad. people yeah. to really mess things up yeah it's really bad there's actually three technologies there yeah so actual 5g like fifth generation not five gigahertz yeah because yeah. that's a huge stumbling block. It's like, well, I've got the 5G yeah, on. It's, wi- it's Wi-Fi. I got it, wi- no, that's 5 gigahertz <laughs> Wi-Fi. It's not actual 5G cellular technology. Yeah. Like, just the marketing just stepping on in their own doo-doo all the time. <laughs> well, and, and the huge uh, marketing push that happened two years ago, just nonstop. It was nationally. It was a huge, huge push. And yeah. We got to win the 5G battle, but mm. well, it's yeah. well, then that even carried over into the, you know, the deep seedy underworld of conspiracy theories, and now with the 5G conversation there, and well, that's just a pure misunderstanding <laughs> of physics and the difference yeah. between RF and ionizing radiation. <laughs> <laughs> He's rolling his eyes for anyone listening. Uh, you couldn't feel that through the audio track. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's insane, right? But like 5G. 
cellular technology is like what three or four different actual frequency spectrum ranges and the super high frequency what is it is it it's millimeter wave millimeter 30 gigahertz yeah it's it's way up there as you increase the wavelength or decrease the actual wavelength but increase the frequency so like shorter waves it just does not travel as far which is what rob was talking about like this stuff's going to be on every light pole it's because it's lower power it does not penetrate through trees buildings for that matter and especially not meat sacks like us (laughs) it's Um, good for throughput but horrible for for range range. yeah yeah Yeah. although i did see i think i sent you the article i don't know if you had the chance to read it all but um university can't remember which university i think it was georgia tech developed a new um sticker that they can use because of the increased frequency and the change in the signal they can actually generate small amounts of power from the 5g oh. signals for iot devices and yeah that's fascinating yeah like Which, rfid style coil yeah. picking up just enough power yeah, super to low s- to squeak out a couple of bits yeah yeah, yeah. and because then i that's when you got to realizing like the convergence of data power you know it's all the same <laughs> f- physics the same. underlying it we're back to nikola tesla <laughs> yeah and his wireless power yeah coils yeah. and such like, I mean, you know, we're we're kind of seeing a evolution of a lot of his inventions. Yeah. Because do you guys with CFU, do you guys ever do long-range planning or futuring to kind of see where things are going outside of the tactical future? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, we've got uh, – yeah, we take uh, 10-year looks at uh, our, our capital improvement uh, budgets – um, and where we see technology evolving, uh, upgrades to existing technology, we'll put that out. So in 2011, uh, we put uh, millions of dollars in the budget in uh, 2020, 2019, for this 10-gig uh, fiber. We didn't know what it was going to be. We didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, it was kind of a best guesstimate at the time but yeah we put millions of dollars in the budget to uh, plan for that future the interesting thing about like you asked about what is what's next 100 gig i think we're at a plateau um where you know we the the distance it's like it's like the distance from vhs to dvd to blu-ray to no disc right so like if you think of that timeline that wasn't linear we had VHS until what late nineties. Mm-hmm. About most people still had VHS into the two thousands, but DVD took hold in a hurry, and DVD is still relevant. But then Blu-ray came on the scene, and now we're just no disc. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So we had sub gig for a long time, whether it was dial-up or cable or even fiber. We had gig for ten years ish. Yeah, and I'm talking Cedar Falls timeline here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, in 2020, we have 10 gig. Do you think we'll have 100 gig at 2030? I don't think so. Well, and are you hitting a data saturation point? Like, do you need? And there's always, you know, everyone always A lot of the technology has gotten so good at being frugal with its bandwidth because they have to because most communities are technically underserved in terms of having the bandwidth capacity. So their whole, you know, as a service provider, as a, sorry, as an, like an app developer or, you know, a video service, 
they have to deal with the crappiest service mm -hmm. up to and the constant resource management, right? Up to you know the jet fighter that Cedar Falls <laughs> Utilities is, right? Like yeah. you have to deal with the gamut of the whole thing, and at some point. Like th there are like I can say on YouTube or on sorry on Netflix I want 4K, right? So I'll get 4K content and I don't have to wait for it because I'm on Cedar Falls and my Apple TV 4K is wired into a switch, not yep. using Wi-Fi. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, side note, a friend of mine, we have the same LG OLED TV. Did you know they only put a hundred megabit Ethernet in that thing? <laughs> yeah, that which mean, they, is fine. No, they say they say the streaming rate of 4K. They, they save twenty cents, right? <laughs> I was saying like that chip's got to be so low volume now that that can't be cost effective. Like gigabit, the actual silicon that does gigabit Ethernet would be cheaper because of oh, volume. Gotcha. Yeah. It, it actually could be. Yeah. Yep. Then what a ten one hundred chip. It just boggles the mind. He ran into the issue because he was playing Blu-ray rips over the network, which can be, which can saturate a hundred megabit link. Nice. And it worked better when he had it on five point eight gigahertz Wi-Fi. Oh my gosh! Because he could get over a hundred <laughs> megabit physical. Con yeah. Contrary to everything we'd normally say. I was like, "What the <laughs> heck is happening?" He's like, "My TV is only connecting a hundred megabit." And so I've like we dig into the spec quick, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Unbelievable. Unreal. What is the typical download rate for four K streaming? That you need oh, like so you so yeah. yeah sorry for like Netflix 4K is probably <laughs> 20 to 30 megabits okay. yeah and I, then 8, 8K is coming but that's going to be be a while but yeah, yeah. Eight, and then it's like that's another thing it's like 1080 <laughs> is amazing like eight regular regular HD mm -hmm. is amazing you know we one upped it and went to 4K or UHD which is 3840 yeah. by 2160 we quadrupled it right and now because we're human and we're insane we're like oh we can do 8k some is good which is <laughs> quadrupling is it again always is so they say yeah. but <laughs> i think you're going to see that 6k 8k thing stick more into the production side because when you're editing a video it gives you a lot more leeway yeah. you can you can zoom in to yeah. a, you can yeah. recrop the frame without you know it's kind of like when people ask why are more megapixels valuable yeah, it's, well, it's not. It's more on the creation. You start zooming. It's on the creation side yeah. where it's absolutely valuable. Yep. Right. So, like, we'll shoot an 8K, but we're going to release it at 4K. Yeah. But that lets them slide that 4K window anywhere around that frame that they need to. Yeah. You know. Um, you do digital panning. Yeah. 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 All sorts of new things become possible. Yeah. That's, so, that's... will we see a much actual 8K content and people consuming it? They're not going to know. Because I mean. I think we're at this plateau again. Yeah. And I could be wrong. I well, would love to be wrong. Yeah, because you've gone from standard def to high def, and that was a huge uh, bitrate increase. Man, I had high def with an antenna in two th <laughs> 2003. <laughs> I spent $750 on a terrestrial HD tuner, ATSC tuner. Nice. So I could watch CBS. <laughs> you know, the quality programming, the, the visuals, they matter. <laughs> <laughs> it was well, more think, of like me just wanting to be on the bleeding edge. Well, yeah. and you, you could be right because, like I said, the first, uh, the most recent five years versus the five years previous, uh, the bandwidth growth has uh, per subscriber has has definitely decreased. 
what will that look like the next five years? Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, the, the curve is still there. It's just not as steep, right? Because yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the thing that a lot of people sometimes, you know, everyone focuses on more is better. And then you always say, okay, 8K over 4K, so better visual clarity. But you're approaching the human limit of perception. And now most people are watching it on a five-inch screen. Yeah. So it becomes more on what can you do. Because I remember the first time that I really thought of, oh, there are other values to more in terms of things like um, resolution. There was a game that came out where you could play it at 4K, but you could get glasses, and it was basically polarized, so it was actually displaying two images at once, but alternating between. So you could have two people playing the same, using the same um, screen, television screen Mm. to play a game but see completely different visuals as long as they wore the right polarized And that's using the same technology we were using for 3D. Remember when 3D TVs became the rage about five years ago (laughs) and then it fizzled out? Yeah. That and curved screens? Yep. (laughs) Yet another gimmick to sell TVs. But that that two-player is actually more valuable than the silly 3D mode, but it's using the exact same technology. Because what do you guys see So instead of a stereoscopic image, you're getting two separate images that aren't stereoscopic. Yep. Because do you guys see any other converging technologies that, you know, I think everyone usually sees the linear paths of technological development, but then doesn't realize where a lot of convergence happens that create, you know, the the exponential change in an industry. Do you guys see any other topics kind of coming around that right now don't seem to interplay much with fiber infrastructure or all this stuff, but could? Man, I, uh, you know, everything's become data. Uh, video is now data. Yeah, video used data. to fund the internet. Now, yep. on the ISP side, now internet access funds the video, which is quickly becoming a loss leader. Yeah, right. Like it costs more to run the video network than you're getting for revenue. Yeah, we're seeing a, a, a slow death of traditional TV. Yeah, most people want to watch things on demand. Well, even on demand, it's becoming closer like the old school models of TV where you're getting multiple channels packaged, buying in through one subscription service to you know, like yeah. Google TV, and which is always the case in content. Yeah. Obviously, there are the need for live things, uh, you know, s- sports coverage, et cetera, yeah. or yeah, that's... live performance. But you're getting those through an app over the top. Yeah. As, as it. That was also important. Yeah, our um, marketing manager years ago, she she said that yeah, the, the, our 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 pack our platform that we deliver video service on in the future could be just live live events only, yeah. uh, sports only. Yeah, um, which is kind of the direction things are heading. She was she was ahead of ahead of her time. <laughs> yeah, because I think the only thing I ever look at getting television subscription for is the live events that are still kind of. So boxed into only being available through certain and let's not you know overlook that sports broadcasting is still kind of in that old school yeah model too they haven't totally let go of it it's like hospitals still using fax machines yeah mm-hmm. you know so like they do deals with fox or they do deals with blah right it's like old guy <laughs> writing a pa- paper check and faxing his info with his attache case like it's just i mean we're gonna see that die off with the generation that made it Mm -hmm. that was morbid i'm sorry but you know clearly metaphor yeah metaphorically not so metaphorically speaking but you know like things are changing and 
we, my family, we don't watch sports. So, like, I haven't had, I, with one exception, we watch the Olympics. Because mm. that's actually interesting. You know, people doing crazy stuff by themselves. Yep. Typically, or even the team sports in a in a in an Olympic setting are yep. much more fascinating for me to watch. Um, I don't watch any other sports, so like we yeah, haven't we're, had we're similar. We don't we haven't had cable or a di- cable TV or a dish TV situation since two thousand six. Yeah, I mean, I was one of the early cord cutters. Yep. Um, You're but, just the trendsetter. No, just a nerd. <laughs> that's all. I wasn't trying to set any trends. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that—that's the thing. It's like with, but now you have e- the ESPN app on your streaming box. Yep. You mm-hmm. know your Roku, your Fire Stick, your yeah, ESPN, Apple TV, ESPN Plus, and you get everything, yep. um, <clears throat> everything and more. Yep. Right, but then you've got all these other like collegiate sports networks, right? That do deals with. Well, you can only watch the piggers on this channel and you can only yeah. watch the turkeys on this channel or you know i don't know sports teams you're doing pretty good you know i don't think um, those are any no that's good but. yep i know what you're talking about the turkeys and the piggers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so right so they do these weird network deals and then some people can't watch it or like what's that one where you can only watch the cubs marquee and if you mess with people's cubs coverage that's almost like you killed their child. <laughs> it's it's neurotic, but I'm coming at it from a yeah, weird perspective. They, uh, yeah, they launched uh, Marquee, and uh, yeah, we, we, we signed up. Yeah. We had to. I mean, yeah. you, you had can't, to. You're not going to not sign that Otherwise, deal. people will leave you in droves, right? Yep. Right. Well, I remember when, you know, um, changed it over to not have Comedy Central and mm-hmm. see if you, and that was, Viacom. That was a big conversation yeah we so dropped the viacom many people networks. have dropped viacom yep so many tv providers have dropped viacom yep but that saved our subscribers uh, uh a rate increase that would have been <laughs> it was significant you know several dollars <laughs> yeah but you know there's nothing to watch on the music channels anymore right i mean mtv and vh1 are not music channels really anymore. and most of it you could stream online right. anyway yeah. so or, or pick up the yeah. clips on youtube yeah the next day like NBC or the late night shows now are more watched on YouTube than they are like, you know, Fallon and yep. and Kimmel and all those. They know it. And yep. They just embraced it. Nobody watches it live. Even SNL. People are watching Saturday Night Live on Sunday on YouTube. <laughs> so inconvenient <laughs> to stay up that late. I'm getting old. I know. It's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. We're just celebrating that we stayed out till 11 the other night. Like that was a milestone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you mean to give a quick like five minute Kubernetes thing, like deeper or no? No, I think I think we're okay. Okay, we'll we'll go into like a, a side note. We'll write something up for it, but um, but I will say for you, uh, what is the last little thing that you guys are excited about that you see coming up that's worth a conversation, you know, in the next couple of years, and technology wise. Um, on the CFU infrastructure side, non-infrastructure side? Uh, I think uh, one of the biggest things is uh, EVs, mm-hmm. self-driving vehicles, electric vehicles. Yep. Uh, I think that's going to dramatically change. I was at a conference, uh, this would have been a year ago last October, and uh, got to sit in on the uh, CEO uh, roundtable. And... Uh, this uh, this CEO said who was hosting it said if you have a 
a six-year-old, they will likely never learn how to drive a car. Um, yeah, I've heard the same. Yeah, maybe, maybe he's right, maybe not, but that's you know, th- th- it's just indicative yeah. of, of the direction the um, landscape is moving towards. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, you look at those converging technologies. <laughs> usually, anything is a few different things. So right. between new battery technology, EV technology, AI technology, mm-hmm. it's all of those are getting developed at around the same pace. Right. Yeah, I mean, agree. I think electric vehicles are actually getting traction now. <laughs> Terrible. Pun, Love it. Pun intended. That was good. It, yeah, it, it was. I realized it was coming out of my mouth. <laughs> you, you waited all day for that, didn't you? No. That was... Yeah. You were. No. It's uh, like the only pun we've dropped today, so... Just that and a lot of or acronyms. Is <laughs> but. Yeah, EVs... Um, I think, you know, obviously pe- people have largely transitioned to the small screen. We're all walking around, hitting, walking into lampposts all on our phone, right? And yeah. I, I, I flew again. It's been like a year, you know, and I was in O'Hare in Dallas, Texas, DFW Airport this past week, and the floodgates are open again it's mm-hmm. crazy airport yeah like again. the last two weeks there was just a huge transition yeah and then it's like so you know and that's great because people are out and about again um but yeah just you know walking around and realizing that i'm doing this and i look up and everybody Everyone else is too <laughs> yeah you know i have my phone up to my face but yeah. yeah so like the connectivity on these is getting better and better uh my wife only pretty much uses her iMac at her desk to edit photos. Yeah. Everything else she does is on her phone, hmm. including like filling out forms for the school stuff. I'm like, oh, I can't. I can't. I still, I sp- still prefer a desktop for a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't. I can't do that. Like the phone is for checking for me for like communications. More real-time stuff. Yeah. yeah. So at this point, we're the old guys in the room. Yeah, I'm so old. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. what do you do? And I say that being like the younger old guy. <laughs> you know, we were just talking about this before this, but yeah, I'd still at least, I'll make that claim. Like, I grew up pre-internet, meaning I was a child, and yeah. I wouldn't have used it anyway if yeah. it was there at that but point. Like but like our kids, so my oldest is 18. You know, she does not know life without the internet. My youngest is 11. Yeah, she definitely does not does not know life of that. I mean, she came out of the womb knowing how to use a tablet. Yep, like knowing how to use an iPad. It's like in the genetics now. It's <laughs> insane. <laughs> you know what does she do? She animates. Like she's a creator already. Yeah, like, you know from that standpoint, she makes animations. There, my seventeen year old daughter is an exceptional artist. Does she use paper and pencils like her mother, the artist? No, it's. A Wacom tablet. Yep. It's all digital art. Mm-hmm. She can totally hang with a pen, a, a pencil and paper, but she, would, pref- she would prefer to have the digital realm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know yeah. I, I'm going to be able to do it. One of our other podcasts will be with Nick Cash, uh, Janelle Jumalan, yep. who's a local artist um, for, was with SciPlay, uh, now works for a new company. And, and, um, one other person that does uh, professional cosplay, just talking about the new rise in the creator market. Mm-hmm. Um, Very cool. Now that there's almost ubiquitous access to the technology to be an artist and about in the medium, 
plus the new creator platforms allowing you to have direct relationships with your patrons yeah, and yeah, right. cut out a lot of the middlemen. That's a really interesting Love it. area. Yep. Um, but well, thank you guys for coming on. Thanks for having and us. Rob, and Thanks, and again, um, thank you for you know the infrastructure. Yep. One, the fact that we've been able to do this. Um, if anyone saw it last year, we did a full live stream, a full day live stream event, launch camp that literally about eight hours straight of live streaming um that didn't have a single hiccup that was very ambitious i was impressed (laughs) that was pretty cool yeah you don't realize what it actually means to live stream for eight hours straight with multiple guests coming in from remote locations Mm -hmm. and then you get to the day of and you're like oh crap what are we doing like (laughs) this is a dumb idea you're like there's about these 17 things that could go wrong at any moment um which then like three minutes before the whole thing started uh, the person that was managing the live stream, their computer went on low battery mode, which then cut the processing yep. power. And all of a sudden we were just like getting skippy. We weren't having the, the bandwidth that we needed. And we're like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? Like, CFU. Yeah, we're about to call Rob. Like, <laughs> oh, call Rob. Get him on the line. He's like, oh, never mind. I, I plugged my computer in. We're good. Like, oh. Killing us. <laughs> But. It's almost never the network. <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> that's, that's probably a fair statement. Not in Cedar like, Falls. Cedar Falls. It's, it's almost, not the network. It's almost always some, user error. Yeah, <laughs> it's never user error. Or Windows. Sorry. Until I have to get one Microsoft mm-hmm. jab in. <laughs> one pun, one Microsoft jab. You're good to go. Deep, yep. deep checked Microsoft off the list. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. Yeah, thanks Appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs>